0: The, the message today, the Trinity. And um, you'll be able to, you can go right to BigBearChristianCenter.org and listen to any of the messages. They're, uh, Una's putting them on. She's going to try to put them all on for the last year and with notes and everything. So, um, And we're excited about that. And it's got its own player on it and so you don't have to bring up a Uh, Windows media player or anything like that, it's just right there. Pick out the sermon, listen to it. Uh, We're going to have it to us downloadable to your iPods and MP3 (laughs) players and all that. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Trinity. The Trinity of God is the fundamental doctrine of of Christianity. Belief or disbelief in the Trinity marks the difference between Christian and cult. Triunity, triune, God also expresses the idea and proper definition of God. And with that I want to pray. Father, I pray that uh, you would continue to cause this word to do what uh, you've already prepped us with in the worship and prayer and so much in the service already. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint us, anoint our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our spirits to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Trinity is defined as composing of three united persons without separate existence. So completely united as to form one God. The divine nature subsists in three distinctions, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Doctrine of the Trinity has been termed as a mystery for a lot of people. And I want to make it clear today, I, I, don't, I think it's a mystery revealed. I don't think it's complicated as uh, you've been maybe trained that it, that, that it is. But the Doctrine of the Trinity was developed because of four major teachings of the Scripture. Number one... Deuteronomy uh, 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is only one God, right? Only one God. The second teaching is that the Father is God. No problem there. We can see Scripture and Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation, that the Father is God. And then the Scriptures that teach that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Now, you say, okay, what is the problem here? Well, now I've added Jesus Christ as God to the Father as God, so there must be two gods, but the Scripture says there is only one God. Right? And then the Scripture clearly tells us that the Holy Spirit is God. When Ananias and Sapphira uh, lied to uh, Peter in Acts chapter 5, he said, uh, you, you've lied to the Holy Spirit and then and a few sentences later he says you've not lied to men but you've lied to God several times in the scripture the Bible refers to Father or Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit as God now we cannot believe that, the, that there's three gods right? because the Bible teaches that there's only one God So we must understand this trinity in light of how God has revealed himself in the scripture. And so I want to turn to Genesis chapter 1 in the very beginning. You're all familiar with the opening phrase in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The Hebrew word God is Elohim. Elohim is the plural of El. The, na- the, the distinction of God in Hebrew uh, by itself is El, God. The O in Elohim is the connecting vowel to, and him means plural. So Elohim is plural in the Hebrew language. Uh, not not by accident, I don't believe it's by accident that God uh, is, is plural in the scriptures in, in, in Hebrew. I don't think it's by accident because when you go to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says, Elohim says, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Um, you know, when you follow language... You got you to keep all the pronouns, plural pronouns or singular pronouns, the same. So in other words, we can say, "We love our city" is correct, but we can't say, "We love my city." Well, we love, and it must, it must the plural must be, must uh, come together in the language. So, same thing in the Hebrew. So, us, we, ours, when Elohim is speaking, and he says, let us create man in our image and our likeness. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Now, what is the Elohim, uh, the image and likeness of God? Well, I think one of the best descriptions of God uh, and His likeness and image is to look at us, look at ourselves. I mean... We are a physical body, but if if that can't be the, the all there is to us, right? You go to a funeral and you see uh, someone gone in the casket. You look at the at the uh, body, and you know that they are really somewhere else, and. Um, so we know that we have spirit and soul. We have body. And there's more to us than just the physical. And that's one of the, for me, the greatest illustrations that uh, I have for the Trinity. Well, another one of my favorites is uh, three-in-one oil.
1: <laughs>
0: I love this. Three oils in one? I don't know. Lubricates, cleans, and prevents rust. Three purposes in one. Three, you know, three in one. I love that illustration. You might like the egg, which is yolk and shell and, and, and uh, white. You might like the illustration of, of water, vapor, and uh, liquid. Water, vapor, and ice. You know, there's a lot of illustrations in creation and around us that, that really clearly show us that it's not uh, beyond us to conceive that there could be three in one whatever illustrations speak to you to help bring you the concept, praise the Lord, that's wonderful one day I had the revelation just uh, sunk into me, I is sitting on the couch in love seat and And we have a wingback chair and ottoman. And I thought, you know what? In essence, all these three are the same upholstery, same wood, same stuffing, same material, but they're distinct. seat, couch, wingback chair. You know, we have a lot of illustrations that we can equate to our understanding of God. But... God is um, basically by description incomprehensible, tra- you know, transcendent. And, but He's also made Himself eminently known to us through the, 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 the Father. And that, that we can really identify with, can't we? The role of the Father. Son, Jesus Christ. And then the personal working of the Holy Spirit as the dove, as the wind of God, the fire of God as the presence of God, as whatever God does for us, is through the Holy Spirit. In creation, back to Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God, Elohim created the heavens the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Ruach of God, the Spirit of God, hovered or brooded over creation, over the waters. You have the Holy Spirit there. Right in the opening of Genesis, you have the release and the description of the Father, now the Holy Spirit. And next, God said, let there be light. And the word let means release. God released light. And in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 10, it tells us that Jesus Christ is that light. So in the opening verses of Genesis, you have the Father, the Spirit of God... And the light who John says is Jesus Christ Himself right appearing in the Trinity appearing upon creation. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. We see those phrases again in, in Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 4 where Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and Elohim spoke to him and said who will go for us who who will I send for us? And, and Isaiah said, here I am, send me. So uh, there's a few places in the scripture where God is referred to in the plural. Every time in the word Elohim. God of gods, exalted God, plural majesty. But I think it's deeper than that, referring to the, the uh, truth of the Trinity. Matthew 28:19, going to all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age, the revelation of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit in the one verse given in the last words of Jesus on this earth. The word Trinity is not used in the Bible, but don't let that freak you out. There's a lot of, of our vocabulary that's not in the Bible, but it's good descriptive words. So it's word, uh, words, theologia, the words, theology and different ones. But Trinity is not in the Scripture, but it reflects the fundamental teaching of our faith that separates true Christianity from cults. The word is actually first used by Tertullian in between 155 and uh, 230 A.D. I'm going to tell you a little history, a little background. Um, When Constantine came as an emperor, before he went to battle, he saw in the clouds a cross. and And he made a statement that if, if uh, the Christian God would give him victory in battle, he would convert and be, uh, become a Christian. Well, the next battle he won, and he attributed it to the sign of the cross in the cloud. And uh, after that, soon baptized legions of, of armies in, in the oceans and made Christianity the f- first religion of the empire. Uh, Constantine's mother, as a matter of fact, began to build shrines and temples and and cathedrals on famous sites in Jerusalem. That's where that's and all through Israel, that's where that started. But some good things came from Constantine's efforts. One of the things that one of the good things that came from him is that he decided to get all the known bishops of northern Africa, Europe, Middle East, Asia Minor, into one place of Nicaea, to convene and to uh, solidify some doctrines of the church. They came to this, about a hundred of them came to the Council of Nicaea, some missing arms and legs, some badly beaten, some young, some old, persecution, persecution. I had followed them for many years. But some of the northern bishops from northern Africa had a different theology and basis than those from uh, uh, the Middle East or um, Asia Minor or even the eastern parts. So they came together, and there was a bishop, his name is Arius who had the position that God the Father, there was only one God, and that Jesus Christ was the first of God's creation, the first angelic being, and He was, in fact, Michael, the revelation of Michael the archangel in the Old Testament, and that Jesus Christ was uh, ought to be honored, but He was begotten of the Father, created. Uh, we have the Arian position today in the Jehovah's Witness Mormons and various other groups. They also, Arius also taught that uh, the Holy Spirit was nothing more than wind or power or a force or source and was not a personal uh, a person. The way the council was going uh, in one of their sessions... The Arian position almost became the fundamental position of the Christian faith when a young 26-year-old church father called, named Athanasius stood up, 26 years old. And he began to preach on the deity of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He came to, to redeem us as only God can. He is sinless. And he began to preach with ardent fervor the deity of Christ. And there must have been an anointing and power that came out of that room when young Athanasius preached because it turned the whole council to uh, decree this. That Jesus Christ is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, also reaffirming later that the Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is one who dispenses the gifts, speaks to the body, and the uh, the whole uh, Council of Nicaea established the fact that the Trinity is the truth of the Scripture. Later on, in a council called Council Constantinople in 381. That, that that firmly established the doctrine of the Trinity as the as Christianity, and everything else was heresy, and to be rejected as Christian. So that's a little background on that. Augustine uh, described the Trinity. Uh, he, he thought that the Trinity was. Best understood in relationship with words like love, fellowship, communion. He says, "How can you have love and fellowship and communion and understand all these things if it's just there's no one to love, no one to fellowship with, no one to have communion with?" So I uh, understood the Trinity having those qualities of community and family, and and so that they could the Trinity could. Be om, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent in every area, including fellowship. I want us to turn to um, Matthew chapter three, verse sixteen and seventeen. Matthew three sixteen and seventeen. We have the baptism of Jesus. And we have the, the uh, voice of the Father coming, Jesus Christ in the water being baptized, and you have the, the Holy Spirit coming upon Him. It says, uh, 3.16, As soon as Jesus was baptized, He went out, out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on Him. And a voice from heaven said, This is My Son, whom I love with him, I am well pleased, the voice of the Father, the person of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit coming out down as a dove. Does somebody and let's turn to First John chapter five, verse seven and eight. Does somebody have New King James Version, or even the old king will work new King? Could you read this verse for us? Yeah. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Okay. And the New International says this. First um, John chapter 1, verse... Chapter 5, verse 7, I'm sorry. I'm looking for 1 John here. It says this. For there are three that testify. That's verse 7. The three that testify, it's implied that it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's no problem with that. Where we get this insert about the Father, the Word, and the Spirit and the other words was during the time of a, a French philosopher and a theologian named Erasmus. And um, Erasmus was trying in 1520 to, pr- to uh, produce his Greek text, the first Greek text out of the manuscripts, pulling them together and having a Greek book, a Greek text and uh, putting together a, a first printed copy in 1520. Well, three monks came to him and said, we want you to insert this, this passage about the Father, the Word, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, in this passage. And Erasmus said, I don't have any manuscript evidence for that. And they said, well, if we find you one, will you put it into this passage? And they said, sure, we'll, we'll do that. He said, sure, I'll do that. So a year later, they came back and said, we have a manuscript that has these words in it. And Erasmus had to keep his word, knowing very well that the three monks went home and wrote one. And uh, that crept into the Stevens text, and the Textus Receptus, which is the foundation of the New King James Version and the King James Version and became an edition. That's a little background on that. But in reality, if you just put what John said, it's very clear that there are three that testify in heaven. It's understood. It's understood by John. It's understood by the reader in, in the passage in context. The reason I share that with you is that if you share the Trinity with others that know about the background in the New Testament, especially Jehovah's Witness and others, they'll really clear, clearly point out the, the, the correctness of that passage, and you might be stumped. Okay. One of my favorite scriptures on the Trinity is 2 Corinthians 13.14. 2 Corinthians 13.14. Because it it gives us three words along with the Trinity. It says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for the grace that's associated with Jesus Christ for our salvation? Amen? Amen. Thank God for His grace even in this moment. Thank God for His grace at the altar. Thank God for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, and the love of God. You know, I want to paint you a picture of the Father for a minute. The Father is the dispenser of love in in the Word. John 3.16, God so loved that He gave us Jesus Christ. And Romans chapter 5 says this, Verse five, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. The Father is the dispenser of love. Oftentimes, Christians have uh, just a slanted view that God is only about Father is only about judgment and uh, and wrath and justice and all this, but He the Father is the dispenser of the love of God expressed through Jesus Christ, and in the New Testament area, New Covenant area, expressed through the Holy Spirit. And the fellowship, koinonia, of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The, the, the word fellowship here is, is a close intimate relationship with us that we have with the Holy Spirit who connects us with God. The Father connects us with Jesus Christ. the fellowship that we have with Him, you know, it's powerful. So we have the, the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I love that scripture. You know, I've heard people say that you can't show by the scripture that there's the Trinity. Well, I don't have time to go through all the passages today, that that give us the Trinity, in throughout the New Testament. But I'll give you one more, and that's First Peter chapter one verse two. First Peter chapter one verse two does the same thing as Paul did, in uh, for, in Second Corinthians. First Peter chapter one verse two. We uh, God's elect and uh, scattered through Pontius, Galatia, and so on who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ by the sprinkling of His blood. Very very clear there that the Trinity is mentioned, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, there is no doubt that the Scripture teaches very clearly the, the Trinity and its application. Okay the more you understand the nature of one God, the nature of the Father, the nature of the Son, the nature of the Holy Spirit, and then you see the scriptures come together in the Trinity, the more you, the more you get a picture of, of who God is. Athanasius, who is the young uh, church father that I told you about, said this, his creed was, The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, yet there are not three gods, but one God. Now, for the scriptures for the next part that I want to share with you, uh, if you want to email me, I'll give them to you, but we're out of time to give you the actual scriptures. But these apply to each of the persons of, of, of the scriptures for each one of the persons of the Trinity in the next list, meaning that the scripture des, de, describes each three of them, each one of them as eternal, describes each one of them as holy, describes each one of them as true. The scriptures for each one of these, each one of them in the scripture is described as omnipresent, being ever-present. You know, the omnis are great. Omnipresent, omniscient, all-knowing, scriptures for all of them. Omnipotent, all-powerful scriptures for all of them. Omnibenevolent, meaning God's grace and love and benevolence towards us. Scriptures for all of them. You know, the omnis are in the God class. Satan is not omni-anything. He's not ever-present. You know, He's not all-powerful. And if it, if any other being could be omni-anything, then God could not be omni-something. You know what I'm saying? God is God alone, and He possesses these qualities. So we say that the Jesus Christ is omnipresent, which we see in John, the last chapter, then we say, okay, that means that there's either two gods or one God with... Uh, more complex parts. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who created the Scripture? Who created the heavens and the earth? Who created everything? God the Father did, right? Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, I think, says that Jesus Christ created everything and holds everything together. The Scripture says also that the Holy Spirit created everything. Who raised Jesus from the dead? God the Father, right? Jesus said in John chapter two, verse nineteen, "Destroy this temple in three days; I will raise it up." And Romans chapter one, one through four, and also again in First Peter, He was raised by the Holy Spirit. Work of the Trinity. Creation is the work of the Trinity. All spiritual operations are work of the Trinity. The Trinity is the source of eternal life. Not just Jesus Christ, but the work of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit. All three are the teacher to us. All three inspired the prophets. All three equipped ministers. All three have given us uh, life in this time, salvation. Oh, wonderful. Now the Southern Baptist Convention said this that, that the Holy Spirit is the eternal triune God, he reveals to himself as a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. The Lutheran Church says that we teach that there's one true God. He is the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, three distinct persons, but of one and the same divine essence equal in power, equal in eternity, equal in majesty, because each person possesses the one divine essence. The Roman Catholic Church says that the mystery of the Holy Trinity is a central mystery of the Christian life and the Christian faith. I love that. Now, any doctrine that Teaches or distorts the Trinity is cultic. There's even a teaching that that says Jesus Christ is the Father, Jesus Christ is uh, the Holy Spirit, and in fact that since He is there's only one God, Jesus Christ, then there is no Father and there's no Holy Spirit. That's a distortion of of the Trinity, isn't it? And this Jesus-only teaching says that uh, says that Jesus Christ is the Father. Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. When you mess with the Trinity in any form, it, it, it's on the way to denial. Uh, I was pastoring in Minnesota in the early 80s, and uh, and uh, a couple of my people in the church, I was. Let's see, 26, 27. This couple is fit in their late 50s, and I admired them. But they got to uh, taking some people in the church and rebaptizing them in the name of Jesus, because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit was not the, uh, was not good enough. He had to be rebaptized in Jesus only. Well, one of the girls was rebaptized, and she went immediately you could tell some spiritually was wrong. She just went out and, you know, went part of their group but later we lost her. And one Sunday night she came back and I just happened to preach on who Jesus was and who the Father is, and uh, she stood up in the middle of the service and said I need to be baptized again tonight. I need to renounce this baptism and, and join back with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and 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 at midnight we all got our cars together, headlights flash, uh, centered on a lake in Minnesota by dear October, <laughs> and we baptized her. And horns started flashing the lights and everything. Everybody excited, and a, a spiritual thing just lifted off of her. And a occultic cultic type of fog just lifted off of her, because she came back to the knowledge of the truth. Now I have another sadder situation where I had, in 1986, brought a Jewish doctor to the Lord and baptized him here in Big Bear in 1986. Became a wonderful testimony on fire for God. Later told me that, that uh, Jehovah Yahweh was the only God and, and Jesus Christ was, was uh, not God and began to denounce the Trinity and His teaching and His thinking. About a year or two later, I saw him and he said, I said he said, I went back to Judaism and I'm no longer a Christian. I said, you renounced Jesus Christ. He says, absolutely, I renounced Jesus Christ. He is not the Messiah, he's not the Christ. He's, I renounced Him and went back to Judaism. I said, you did that a long time ago. When you renounced, when you played with the Trinity and you've, you've uh, renounced who Jesus was in the Trinity, and now you came to a full-fledged renouncing who Jesus Christ is. So when you mess with the Trinity, that was the beginning of your downfall. Don't let anybody shake you in this teaching of who okay. the Father is, who Jesus Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, who Elohim the one God is. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Just stand. Father God, thank you so much for the fellowship that we had in the Holy Spirit today. Yes. Father, we pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for your love towards us in, in through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the work of the Trinity. In our lives, and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you.